Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Hello and welcome to Springboard Your Virtual Investing. My name is Albert Ukran, matriculating into Ghana's foremost personal developmental program running since 2008. This is that place where the greatest minds in the world converge. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, MTN Pulse, with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. So today we are in the third of our increasingly popular and highly relevant series of conversations with five of 
the vice chancellors of leading universities here in Ghana. Our thesis is very simple. First, finding out their leadership lessons learned along the way. And even more importantly, there are five ideas, suggestions, prescriptions for world-class education here in Ghana. So my guest for today is somebody I've known for decades and it's an honor to always have him join us here in the virtual university from a traditional to the virtual university. My guest, Professor Bill Buena Popolampo, Vice Chancellor of Central University. Prof, good to see you. Good to see you too, Reverend Albert. Thank you for having me. It's always a blessing. Indeed. So, so how, is, how is Central University? Central is doing well. The challenges of the last couple of years with COVID hit us big time. But we're recovering and it's it's uh, the future is really very very bright we've got a great crop of uh freshers over two thousand of them for this season and it's the future is good do you, do you feel like a, do you feel like a father with many children <laughs> in fact many many children yeah and younger brothers and sisters to manage apart from the children <laughs> right right, right. Uh, academia must be a very very interesting um, career assignment. Mm, it is. I wouldn't do anything else, uh, even if I had a second chance. Wow. wow. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's exciting. It is interesting. The impact you make and the liberty you have of mind and thinking is, is unparalleled. And I, I, uh, I'd always recommend it to those who would love to do it. Right. Interesting. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. There's a lot of interest in education and in our recent conversations on various series we've had here, everyone seems to have an idea about what we should do differently in the area of education. So we thought to bring together the, the, those managing higher education to give us their own prescriptions 
for managing uh, or, or, or delivering world-class um, education um, um, here in Ghana. Are you surprised at the interest in education? No, I'm not, uh, Reverend. I'm not at all. Because, you see, uh, education is the springboard from which many nations propel themselves out of poverty into uh, significance. When you educate your people, they are thinkers. When you educate your people, they innovate. You educate your people, they're able to challenge and speak truth to power. You educate your people and they are the ones who will make the inroads into tomorrow's reality and consolidate your economy ideally. Uh, and the examples are many, they are numerous. So I'm not surprised that many can see or think that, look, education is where we should be heading for. After all, we have something in the region of 50% uh, of our uh, younger population being of educatable age, if you like. And uh, they need, there needs to be a great program for getting the best out of that season, especially for what it will do for the future. We'll be, we'll, be, we'll be focusing on education in our second part of this conversation, but let's start with your own lessons that you have garnered on this journey as, as a leader. And for those who, who like to, to write and take notes copiously uh, on the virtual university, let me, let's roll out a, a table of contents right. for the first part. So for right. your, your life lessons, what will, be the, what will be the five, and then we can break them down a bit? Firstly, that one has to visualize your leadership future, or your career future. Okay. Second, is that one has to understand the structural politics of your chosen profession or leadership direction. Okay. The third is that one has to accept that challenges, detractors, difficulties are part of the architecture of leadership growth mm. and leadership work. So one should not be surprised at them. It can be very damaging, debilitating, and difficult, but they will come. The fourth is one has to work hard. One has to demonstrate technical capacity and be an example. And by so doing, also engage and encourage others to have the same ethic for hard work and technical demonstration. The final is to trust God and in so trusting, not be, not turn away from taking difficult but necessary decisions. These are my five. I'm going to take the difficult but necessary decision of asking you to break down <coughs> point number one, okay. which is visualize your leadership or career future. Okay. Why? Why? Because we are sentient beings. We think, we know, we sense, and we dream. The creation, the creative order is like that. And when you can visualize something, when you can have a picture frame in your mind, when you can see where you want to go, your entire cognition, your mind, your effect, your feeling, your spirit, your energies can be galvanized towards that. And that really is how Virtually everything that you see on earth today came about. People dreamt, be it an innovation, a creative people dreamt, people thought that an entrepreneur thinks of a certain business, sits down, begins to plan, and something comes out of it. That is why um, in terms of our creation, uh, or in terms of who we are, uh, you speak things into being, and the things you speak into being emerge from the mind that you have and the visualizations that you have. So it's important to have a certain picture. 
And when you have that picture, it can drive you towards a certain goal. Would you say that this was something that you personally experienced that formed this thought in your mind? Indeed, I did. And let me give you the story behind it. When I graduated from Lagon, as I graduated from Lagon back in the early mid to early early to mid eighties, I had been a psychology graduate, and I knew that my life's career would be as a psychologist. But I had watched and seen the vice chancellors who were then at the time uh, when I was on campus. I entered, I think, with Professor uh, Ajay Bequin and then with Professor Akila Pasoya. And I was struck by the fact these were dawns. They had gravitas, they had a certain presence, they had a certain way they carried themselves. And I felt like, look, it's nice to have human beings having such presence and impact on others and carrying themselves with such dignity. It struck me. And so I thought, this is a career line I'd want to have. And as I marry the, 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 my interests in psychology, in human behavior, to academia, I knew I'd want to, I'd want to be in academia. But I just, I think I knew I didn't want to just be in academia, but also rise to the highest echelons of it. So at the time I was graduating, I went up to the uh, registry, to the Vice Chancellor's Lodge then, uh, uh, and I took a photo in front of the lodge. And I pointed to the Vice Chancellor's Lodge sign, which was hanging on a metal bar. And I said, I shall be back. Wow. I had that in my mind throughout all my journeys therefrom to the UK, to the US, everywhere else. It was in my mind and it galvanized my attention towards returning to it. As it happens, uh, Reverend, at that time, I did not know, there was no central university then, that I shall be back. I believe in God's mind was not to Lagon, but to central university. But that's the power of the image that was in your mind exactly, and heart. Exactly. So let me move to your second point now and ask a question to trigger it. So for the benefit of somebody who says, listen, I put the picture in my mind, though. I even drew it. But in the course of trying to attain it, there were significant stumbling blocks or barriers or issues I had not prepared for. Help us to understand what you see, what you call the structural politics. The barriers will be there. The stumbling blocks will be there. But what we need to understand is if you are plotting a journey to Bogatanga, unless there is a, say, let's say you're flying, unless there is such bad weather that you need to head into the Atlantic Ocean first before heading to Bogatanga, there's a plotting, there are building blocks. And it is those structural elements of the politics of your profession, your chosen career, that I'm referring to. If someone wants to be a surgeon, you need to be asking yourself, where do surgeons live? What do they enjoy to do? What, should, what does a surgeon do? How does she handle herself? Where does she play? If someone wants to be a, 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 a soldier, if he wants to be uh, in the financial services, all these questions must be asked and you must understand how those people progress up the ladder. The same questions I began to ask myself and answer for myself as I thought of an academic career. Let me make it very straightforward. In the academic career, if you want to be a vice chancellor or you want to grow in academia to the very highest levels, 
you need to work on research, write papers, get promoted through the ranks, lecturer, senior lecturer, associate professor, professor. It doesn't matter how good you may be. If you wish to be uh, a vice chancellor or rector or president of a notable, significant and impactful higher education institution or university, it is in all probability you have to be a professor. So if in the journey, the obstacles come in the way of becoming a professor, what you need to do is to work around those obstacles. But if you don't, the obstacles and your inability to rise to that level can derail the intention to become a vice chancellor. So that's the point we're making. Which brings me to my, the third point that you make about detractors, challenges, and problems. Mm -hmm. These three, which, ones are, which, which, which one is the biggest? In fact, reverend is difficult. But perhaps the detractors, <laughs> perhaps the most difficult. Why? Because the detractors are human. Uh, problems that may emerge from certain systems, maybe you can handle, but when detractors come, people who may be your friends, people who you may have looked up to, people who you thought would see eye to eye with you, and they become detractors, or people who have sworn, under <laughs> all circumstances, to make sure that you fail, they burn out your spirit. You burn out a lot of energy trying to deal with that and to maintain your uh, vision, to maintain your sanity and to maintain your forward march. Bearing in mind that perhaps as you do all of these things, you have a family to go to, you have a social life to deal with, you have a life in church. So detractors can become very, very antagonistic to you. But that notwithstanding, you still have to find different ways within the career system that you have chosen to deal with them. Problems will emerge, opposers will come, but at the same time, Reverend, just as the detractors, the opposers, and the problems come, the same way, if you align yourself properly, God oftentimes makes opportunity for supporters, encouragers, and, and, and various others who become constructive in how you grow and how you do the work you do. So solutions can be found. So I like the fact that you see that in the same way that you can have problems, challenges, and detractors, God also sent supports and encourages to to stand with you as you navigate your way forward exactly. let's go to the fourth one very very key um i like the part about technical ability mm -hmm. and and it almost has a bearing on the structural politics almost like the requirements yeah, exactly. of the league help us to understand this point about working hard and having technical ability if you want to be a surgeon or you want to be the financial services Let's take a bank. You would normally grow through the ranks, work as a relationship manager, uh, uh, work as a branch manager, then get promoted to some retail or corporate services, something like that. In all of those levels, you have to demonstrate a certain capacity that shows that you can be trusted with the work you're asked to do now, the role you're asked to play now, and the future prospects and possibilities. Let me use an example from religion. Somebody wants to be a Catholic minister and grow in that space. When you're posted to a diocese or to a particular parish or whatever, you have to be 
trustworthy in that diocese. You have to be able to handle the diocese. You have to be able to demonstrate that the next larger diocese that may be put in your hands is something you can handle. The same way for, for academe, you have to demonstrate capacity as a teacher and a scholar. For uh, being a surgeon, you have to demonstrate capacity as a doctor of capacity and repute. You cannot wishy-washy waltz your way through when you don't know your stuff. I mean, if you take uh, uh, those of us in, in, the, in the lecture rooms, in the classrooms, as, as an example, your students will talk behind your back when it is clear that this man or woman really does not know her stuff. And in today's world where we, students are doing uh, reviews and surveys of, of faculty or lecture capacity and so on, it'll show up. So it's very important that you demonstrate the ability, you demonstrate the technical competence, and you encourage others to come along in the same line. Well, I, just for those listening and having intentions of going to academia, I just recall uh, I, 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 during, during my master's, uh, having the whole class write a very um, serious indictment on one of our lecturers. And the only thing that lecturer did wrong was to say that everything he was teaching us, if he was put in the, on the field, he couldn't practice it. <laughs> and this was unfortunately not a, <clears throat> a group of undergrads. This was a group of practitioners right. taking an executive MBA. Right. who were practicing and asking right. for coaching to do better. Right. So by indicating that he himself could not implement everything that he was, he was teaching, mm. the confidence of the whole class just dropped. Just and dropped. right after the class, we were just filling the form there, and then all of us wrote, yeah. this guy doesn't know his stuff. Yeah, the exactly. next class he gave you had been changed. It was as simple as that. <laughs> That's it. So you are saying that uh, if you don't get it right, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. It will come out. It will come out. And if, as it comes out, it can derail your growth. You know, and in those sorts of circumstances, you, can't, you have nobody else to blame but yourself. So I said, between detractors and your own capacity and technical abilities, you've got to get it right. Let me ask you a question. If you one day did a very honest assessment of where you are and came up with variances, gaps that you say, listen, Bill, if I'm honest with myself, for my next level, these are the variances, these are the gaps. Meanwhile, life is not like a channel you can switch off and say let me it's a moving train yeah, it's a moving train how do you on in a moving train build capacity in the areas of your weakness that is very difficult but there are two ways one you watch those who have you looked and learned from sometimes by uh, vicarious learning from those who have been through it you use their errors or their mistakes as your learning points and two by making sure that uh, at every point, whenever you make a mistake, you spend some time going through and asking yourself, why did I do this? What, 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 where, what happened? And correcting your error. I know, for example, uh, 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 Reverend, that there was a gap, a period in my life when I was not productive as an academic. It was about a five year period. I was not writing. I know very clearly what caused that period, but I was not writing. Now, with hindsight, I have understood that what I should have done was to have scoped down the nature of my writing and the nature of my scholarly endeavor so that at least for that period, I'd continue to be productive. I just switched off. So you can look at others, you can decide what errors you made 
and learn from the errors yourself. Wow. The fifth point is, is very interesting. You say, trust God and don't run from difficult but necessary decisions. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to pair the two? Trust God, I, I'm sure everyone can relate to, with all your heart. Right. But, but why do you pair that with difficult decisions? Because many times when you're taking difficult decisions, they affect people. Those decisions affect you. Those decisions affect the institution. And many times, you can't have a crystal ball into which you look and then you can see the consequence of those difficult decisions very clearly. The only thing you can have is the confidence and the strength of your conviction the knowledge that if we don't do these things the consequence can be worse and the trust that somehow god in his mercy will take you the institution and your colleagues and your team through it that's why i pair the two because if you don't have trust unless you are uh, foolhardy if you don't have trust you will always be asking yourselves two three four five six one too many questions about the most difficult decisions you have to do, about finances, about people, about firing people, about engaging others, about deciding that this is the direction to go or that's not the direction to go and defending it before a group of people who are ready to tear you apart. Is leadership difficult? It is tough. It is not for the faint-hearted. You wake up thinking of the welfare and the well-being of the institution, and the people you work with. But at the same time, you would have many who don't understand or know that you're losing sleep and will attack you the following morning when you you had lost sleep thinking of what we should be doing next, but they will attack you. You have challenges with finances. You have difficulties about how to find the next fund to be able to make some changes in what you're doing or improve the circumstances or the delivery or the service that you have. Leadership is very, very difficult. And oftentimes on a personal level, at the end of the day, it is very lonely. You may have friends, but you can't share every single thing with those friends. You may have superiors, but they will tell you that we've put you in there to solve the problem. Indeed, and that's that's what it is. So you can't run away from the reality that the box stops with you and it can be a very, very lonely place because when it fails, it fails with you. A friend once said, your tomorrow is only as good as yesterday's results. It's, it's almost like the life of a football coach. You, and, and I love to read, the, especially the British press, when they analyze a football match and because they are a betting society yeah. they throw in the odds and after one coach does very well they say listen this is the best guy for the job and trust me he's going to be there and this the next day the match the person loses and they they drop the odds significantly and that same person who read the article swings to the other extreme, other extreme. and then shows you why this person shouldn't have been there in the yes, first place exactly should we cut and let me swing out of totally out of this should we cut uh, leaders of nations slack a little on the, on the strength of the point you just made, especially in crisis moments. 
Well, yes, we should cut them some slack. That is true. But the slack you cut them is proportional to the extent to which they accept their errors mm. and are ready and willing to change tack, to learn and to admit mistakes. If they are not, and they are either they become either autocratic or ignoring uh, the Yentiobia type of uh, spirit, you can't cut them slack. So if, I understand, if I understand you right, you're saying that in the same way that you tell yourself that Bill, in this five-year period, I didn't write enough. I look back and I say I got it wrong, and therefore put in place an, an amelioration mechanism. The person holding national office, if they want us to cut them slack, must be able to look us in the eye and say, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. And be humble enough to accept it. I got it wrong. And then we can talk this about it. This is the change. This right. is how I'll make the change. Work with me towards that change. I appreciate the fact that it makes difficulties in your life, but I did or took these decisions because of A, B, C, and D. Clearly, this didn't work. Now, with my advisors and the rest and your inputs, we're going this way. I apologize. And it happens. You follow me? That's why in various dispensations, when some politicians and leaders recognize how erroneous their choices have been, they turn and say, I'm sorry, I'm going. In order to give the space for somebody else to come and take it to the next level. So yes, we should cut slack because we are human. But as I said, it is proportional to the extent to which they acknowledge their errors. Your, your fingers almost sound like you're drawing a graph. graph. There must be a proportional. proportional. <laughs> I like that. Springboard of virtual university, my guest, Professor Bill Buena, Populampu, Vice Chancellor of Central University, sharing five lessons with us so far. Visualize your leadership or career future. Number two, understand the structural politics of your chosen field. Number three, accept that there will always be detractors, challenges, and problems, and don't be surprised when they show up. Number four, work hard and demonstrate technical ability and encourage save in others to the measure with which you yourself are also showing it. And that was my addition. Exactly. And the fifth one, trust God, but don't run away from difficult but necessary decisions. Now, here's where you can help me. If you are a student, alumnus, faculty, staff, friend, cousin, neighbor, prospective parent, prospective student, of central university please vote 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 how do you do that just go online at albert any okran on facebook check us out on twitter or go to the springboard zone springboard zone and then tell me which of these leadership lessons that prof has shared speaks to you the most and why and the 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 don whose comments whose whose points get the most comments views and likes is definitely the, the university that is winning and you want your university to win so please let's hear your <laughs> thoughts even more importantly tell us how you think this can be applied to make this country great and strong mm -hmm. let's go for a break when we come back let's shift gears to education how do we build world-class education here in ghana please don't go away <laughs> Enterprise insurance would dear woman promonana. Hey, what's it? Four coupons. Vom. Washing machine. Vom. 
Kawasa, Vom, Bibi, Vom, Obiadi, Vom. Buy or renew your existing motor insurance policy and win instant rewards such as fuel coupons and branded gift items in this year's Udia Women Motor Insurance promo. You could also win an iPhone 14, front load washing machine, high pressure car washer, vacuum cleaner, and an auto tie inflator during the monthly raffles and the slick crash rocket motorbike at the end of the six months promotion. Making us laku. Call your insurance broker, agent, or visit any enterprise insurance branch and get your reward now. You can also call us on 0302-634-777. This promo is in partnership with NLA on the Characters platform. Terms and conditions apply. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and, and the, the whole world, world awaits, awaits you. you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere, Everywhere you, you go. Welcome back to Springboard, of virtual university, and to this incredible conversation with my guest, Professor Bill Buena Popolampo of the Central University. If you are joining us from anywhere in the world, this is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, um, MTN Pulse, with media support from the graphic business, and of course, our friends here at the Multimedia Group. On Tuesday, you will find the full transcript of this conversation in the graphic business. So vote, vote, vote. Let's find out which of the thoughts of Professor Poplampo is touching you, challenging you, inspiring you today. Prof, at the same time, the last time you were here, you told us a poem. I today you, have to, you told me you won't tell us a poem. Today, poem, poem. <laughs> the tone and the poem are not going together. <laughs> today, but, no. but, 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 but you were telling me about the poetry night. Yes, yes. On the 26th of uh, April, there will be the third uh, uh, poetry evening at Central University Mutual Campus. Right. The, we've started doing this where we bring noted poets to come and, and share uh, poetry, creative arts, poetry and song and jazz with our students and with faculty. It takes place under the Eagle in the, wow. uh, 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 on the Mutual Campus. Last year, we had uh, none other than Professor Kofi Anyidoho. Wow. And he shared some fantastic points, just beautiful. I did one or two renditions myself, but this time um, I'm allowing the stage for everybody else to do it. <laughs> wow, that would be lovely. We invite everybody to come along to the Mutual Campus for this. Next uh, Wednesday, 26th of, of April is the date and it's under the eagle at central that's University right from 4 p.m onwards 4 p.m poetry music jazz relaxing that's environment right. to de-stress and prepare for the days and, and prepare weeks for ahead. the next day <laughs> wonderful so Prof, let's go to this big conversation about world-class 
education is it attainable if so what would it take what would be your first recommendation right um it is attainable uh, we've seen it almost in the beginning from the times of independence we began doing things we took us in that direction the first recommendation that i have is that the nation has to settle what has been called a human capital policy framework i've spoken about it i've talked about it sometimes i think i'm a bit of a dog with a bone on this matter but i will not stop the human capital policy framework indicates to the nation where we want to go with our skills and competences and values and capacities over the next 5, 10, 15 to 20 years. And it is informed by where the region within which we live is going, where the continent in which we live is going, and the global trends. That is what would determine for us the foresight areas, the places where we should have emphasis on in terms of our education in this country going forward. And that is fundamental to the notion of a world-class education. Let me give you an example if you so choose. A lot has been said about Singapore from first, from third world to first world under Lee Kuan Yew. One of the fundamental pillars was they determined that within a generation or less, 15, in that time of 15, 20 years, they were going to be the financial services hub in the Far East. So what did they do? They deliberately sent young people to understudy the financial systems and go to school in London, New York, Geneva, to understand what takes place in the financial systems and come back and build those. And indeed, within the space of time that they gave themselves, of 10 to 15 years, they had begun to achieve that. That is what you mean by world-class education where you benchmark what goes on elsewhere, see how it applies to you, and specifically target the acquisition of those skills, the development of those skills, the development of those ethical frameworks in the people towards that. Uh, uh, when, 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 when you make a definite statement like that, it catches my attention. Two things, but I'll explore only one. Mm. You, you talk about the human capital policy framework must be informed by where our nation and continent are heading. Where are we heading? Good question. We all know that in large measure, they say the world is becoming a knowledge-based economy. But you see, as a nation and a continent, people talk about leapfrogging, digitization, and so on, which is great. But before you get there, we must be able to use the natural resources we have and make the most of those and move, create value and add value to those we have. So as a nation and as a continent, largely Africa is moving towards value addition of its natural resources. So we must ask ourselves, what are we doing in that space? Yes, the world is going knowledge-based and digital, but before we enter that space, the base must be there in terms of value addition for agriculture, value addition for natural resources, and value addition for the preservation of the environment. And that is it. If we do those, frankly, Reverend, the next step will be easy to climb. Brilliant point. Human capital policy framework. Mm -hmm. You're centering on value addition to our natural resources, mm -hmm. preservation of our environment. Mm -hmm. You're saying those are key. Yes. Number two. Number two, Reverend, is we must 
re-examine how we treat teachers, lecturers, and education, and educators. You want world-class education? Who are those who are supposed to deliver it? They are one of the most poorly paid in this country. They've got to handle primary kids. They've got to handle secondary kids. They've got to handle university kids. And yet their compensation can't take them home. It is absolutely critical that we review how we treat teachers, we review how we treat lecturers, review how we treat educators. Because if you want them to deliver that world class, they have got to feel world class themselves. And you see, sometimes the, the arguments are made nationally about the uh, cake and uh, the availability of resources. As a nation, there are people who are paid well. As a nation, in the public services, who are paid well. And apologies to everybody else. The work of teachers, if you ask me, in terms of world-class is up there in delivering that space. We've got to revisit how they are treated. So you're saying, let's put our, our money where our mouth where is. Our mouth so, is. so for every guest who comes here to talk about education and the need to have better education, better supervision, challenge ourselves and see, are we willing to pay the, are we willing to the, pay? the ones who manage exactly. the ones who teach how, the ones who are can somebody who is teaching primary kids be going on with 800 Ghana CDs in today's world. Just how? And he or she is expected to deliver to those primary kids and let them understand the future, teach them the proper values. These kids become the building block for secondary and they enter university. And you see, sometimes we, it, it, people think that the focus must be on tertiary education. Frankly, I disagree. You build the base in primary and secondary, it is easier up, up there. So we must look exactly at how these compensation regimes and treatments, if you say complete, people think directly of money, just treatment, how we treat the cadre of people who look after our kids in secondary, primary, and indeed in the university. So beyond even their salaries, you're seeing just the way how we, do we regard, regard them. How it's do we regard them? It's nomenclature and imagery a part of this respect this this treatment that you talk about of course the nomenclature the imagery that we see of course oh he's just a teacher oh he's just a teacher you send your children to him or her they spend six seven hours with that just a teacher oh. so sometimes the descriptors that we use on them itself is important we must respect and regard them my professional psychologist we understand we, we look at human behavior World-class, big, fantastic, nice. The base is the behavior of those who teach those uh, 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 subjects and things in the classrooms. How are they treated? Wow. So first, a human capital policy framework. Two, re-examine how we treat teachers, educators, and lecturers. What will be your third? My third is we must refocus, it derives from the, the, the second, we must refocus primary and secondary education in terms of the content, the structure, the quality, and the resourcing. Mm. A lot of 
uh, talk is made about STEM and all the rest of it. Frankly, um, yes, it's important. But here, what I'm saying is this. Let's take the secondary and primary education systems we have in Ghana and examine the content carefully across the entire country. See what areas we are laying emphasis on. And if we talk STEM, can we relate what is happening in the STEM classroom to business outside the STEM classroom? So it's not simple to simply say STEM, STEM, STEM in the classroom. How is it happening outside the classroom? I find it so shameful, this idea of less endowed schools. Reverend, if you take the public sector from where I'm sitting, this review and refocus and rejigging of the primary and secondary system I'm talking about, if you want world-class education, from where I'm sitting, there should not be a so-called less endowed school anywhere in this country. The parents all pay taxes, don't they? If it's in the remote rural areas, the farmers that we celebrate on Farmers Day. So for the benefit of one who may not know the, the full breadth of what you are saying, you said there should not be anything like less, less endowed, endowed schools. Yes, yes. I presume that it is because less endowed schools are being given some advantage, some treatment, or there's a policy decision, or you're saying that it should not happen at all, that a school should be less endowed? Yeah, it should not happen as there should okay. be less endowed. Uh, what, the what less endowed that? are those that are described as the schools under trees okay. and so on. And my point is that they are not treated well. Okay. The, you know, kids are going to schools in under trees. They're going to school, the roof of the, when there's a storm, it's leaking. You post teachers to the place and they, they don't want to go. That's the less endowed school. And I'm saying we should not have those sorts of things, in the, especially in the public sector, primary and secondary education. So it should not happen. If you go to a secondary school or a primary school in the public sector, in Bolgatanga or in Pualugu or in uh, uh, somewhere in Rara, if you go to that, and you come to a primary school or secondary school in Cape Coast or in Adan or in Kumasi or in Jasikan, the structure, the classroom, the tables, the chairs, the socket on the wall must be the same. same. That is world class. Must be the same. My kids grew up in the UK and this came true to me very, very much. In the different schools they attended, you walk in there, the type of table you find in the school in Milton Keynes is the type of table you find in the school in London, is the type of table you find in the school in Bedford, is the type of table you, you find in somewhere in Wales. The tables, the chairs, the, even, to the, even to the carpet on the floor, it's the same. We want world-class, let's standardize the resource, the content, the structure. And very importantly, uh, uh, Reverend, in terms of content, I talked about STEM, I said it's important. But in terms of content, Reverend, what is the major ailment of our nation right now? It is ethical. We talk about corruption all over. It is ethical. How much time are we giving at that base level for people to understand the importance of integrity, of rule of law, of governance, of respect for authority and principles. How much time are we giving to those? 
check world class those things underpin it so you're saying that we should redesign our contents to provide for ethical ethical training training it's important kids must understand ethical training we must appreciate that very very much it's fundamental world class that's the base what will be the fourth prescription my fourth prescription again uh, uh we must improve what we have i think successive governments like to think of doing new things which is fine but from what i've seen in terms of the tertiary system polytechnics universities and uh, colleges of higher learning of different sorts from nursing agriculture whatever then secondary schools and so on i struggle to see why we try to create new ones i could be wrong but i understand for example that in this country we have something in the region of 54 top-notch good secondary schools and they seem to be spread across different parts of the country of course uh, my secondary school or dadia presec is one of those you you pay for lpn uh, well um you know and and then uh if you ask me to pay for it then i'll be asking well, which secondary school you attend and how come you brought uh, presec to come and talk about you know, so <laughs> even the colors you are wearing are fancy colors Oh, I see. Really? Where's my blue? <laughs> oh, <I see>. <laughs> <laughs> the red and black are definitely speaking. Right. But you were making a point. Yes. So, so you see, improving what we have. Improving what we have. My view is, for example, this. Presec, to, to use my old secondary as an example, is great with science and maths. We know that. But you go onto the Presec campus right now, and there are challenges with accommodation for the kids. Improve what we have. Why should we build a new Presec when the old Presec is struggling? Why should we build a new Wesley Girls when the old Wesley Girls is struggling? Why should we build a new Opokuari when the old Opokuari is struggling? Why should we build a new Infantsipim when the old Infantsipim is struggling? And if we were to use a fraction of the cost to improve all of these places and create the stem we talk about so much in some of these places at Tamale Secondary and whatever else we have, we would achieve these world-class improvements at less cost. So wow. it's important that we improve what we have. Let's calibrate what world-class means by the improvements we can make. It, it, quickly, before we go to the last point, do you think the attribution is, is, is a consideration in, in abandoning what we have and trying to put your stamp on a fresh institution that you can put a name on? Well, in a sense, perhaps, and that is some of the challenge of the political classes. But it is wrong, and I'll be emphatic about it. It is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. So you say improve what we have. Improve what we have. Final point, sir. The final concept, again, leaning on that, but now focusing more on the tertiary. You see, the tertiary education systems become the, the 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 icing on the cake of whatever else we've done at the primary and secondary school levels all the way to the top one of the areas one of the things we should do 
is to stop the mission creep in the tertiary sector. Stop the what? Mission creep. Explain. We have abandoned the polytechnic concept and created technical universities. If you check the curriculum of the technical universities, is more than 60% humanities and business of the technical universities. There's a mission creep and a slow slack away from what they should be doing. KNUSD, University of Science and Technology, and Kwame Nkrumah setting it up, Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, was supposed to be science and technology. Check the curriculums right now, perhaps 50% humanities and business. And that is happening right across the space. We need to be able to keep a focus on what particular world-class institutions in particular disciplines are doing for the country. Fortunately for us, because I'm from a private university, I can say so fortunately for us, we have a good crop of private universities growing all over the place. So it then means that there is no need for us to overexpand the public sector as a way of dealing with increasing numbers who are seeking uh, 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 higher education opportunities. Let's work with the private sector. Central University, for example, has been a leader in science and science and technology for a very, very long time. We have one of the most sought after programs in pharmacy, in nursing, in architecture, sought after. So the state can work with institutions like that to grow the offerings, expand the facilities, and make it possible for people to come into our programs in planning, for example, without having to overburden uh, 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 KNUSD planning programs. Now, all of these structural changes and attentions can enable the country attain world-class, because you see, when you talk world-class, you're talking both content and resource. You're talking the type of teaching that takes place and the outcome for the students. You're talking the uh, parity of the, 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 the student who comes out with somebody else who is in South Africa or in Papua New Guinea or whatever else. That is the sort of thing you're talking about. So you need to pay attention to the space that you have right now and grow it and improve it. And I can tell you for, for sure that uh, much of what you describe as mission creep is driven by the, the demand, the pull factor of demand and the commercial consideration of the fact that while you may have been set up to deliver a particular mandate, there is a number of people looking for solutions in that area. And just to help you make ends meet, you will provide it even if it's not, not your core mandate. Exactly. But you are saying that the, the state must take the unprecedented step of actually supporting private investors that so, have shown demonstrable capacity exactly. in certain areas. In certain areas. And you see the support, and I've talked about this a few times, Reverend, the support does not have to be giving money per se. An example uh, that I have given is that if we have what I call a fee voucher system, so let's take a program like planning or whatever else, just for want of a moment. Those who graduate from high school, secondary school, and want to go and do planning, you have a fee voucher. The program is full at KNUSC and over bursting. 
but there are empty spaces at Central. You take your V voucher, because if you were to have gone to KNUSC, the state would, you know, the, 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 the uh, academic facility user fees and so on means you pay a certain level. So you take what you would have paid there as your fee voucher. You come to Central, the state says, top it up and pay the private university. You would have parity, you would have greater use of the resource, you would have a spread out, you would have the classroom filled, and you would have uh, uh, less of overcrowding elsewhere and better use of facilities elsewhere. Very, very simple. I like that you say very simple. It's, it's so simple, but it's also probably, it can only be driven by the first prescription, which is a human capital policy framework. That's it. This is exactly where we are going. And to get there, if this it means collaborating to. with an entity I don't own, I'll do it because it fits into the big picture. Sorry. Professor Bill Buena Popolampo has been my guest here on Springboard of Virtual University, helping us to appreciate in the Don's Conclave his five leadership lessons. And they've been, number one, visualize your leadership or career future. Number two, understand the structural politics of a chosen field. And the, number three, accept that there will always be detractors, challenges, and problems, and don't be surprised. Number four, work hard and demonstrate technical ability in your field and challenge others to do the same. And five, trust God, but don't flee from tough calls or decisions. On the, on the subject of world-class education, he starts with the human capital policy framework as the first recommendation. Second is to re-examine how we treat teachers, lecturers, and educators. Third one, we focus our primary and secondary education in terms of the content, the structure, and the resourcing. Four, simple, improve what we have and don't just get enamored with creating new ones. And then finally, stop that interesting term, the mission creep. Don't create an university for dance and let the university render uh, what, what, do you, what do you call it? Crazy for dance and mathematics. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so let's focus on the core that we created the institutions for. And just to make it happen, it should be possible for the state to collaborate with private investors that are doing well in their stated or avowed or chosen field. So we get that big picture right. correct and achieve our national aspirations. To sign off, Prof, look into this camera and talk to our viewers and listeners all over the world and tell them why Central University is the number one and why well, they must come or send their awards to your university. Thank you for the opportunity, Reverend Albert. Central University is a great institution. We have been around for 25 years. We are strong in the applied sciences, architecture, civil engineering, pharmacy, physician assistantship, nursing, and we are growing these offerings. And we're also strong in the applied social sciences, economic, psychology, sociology, and so on. And we have great faculty members, and we have three campuses, Kumasi, Christ Temple in Accra, and Miocho Campus, which is the largest, sitting on 248 acres uh, in Accra, in the Dangbe East District. Our opportunities are there for all who wish to come in and study with us. Many of our over 20,000 graduates and alumni now are occupying significant roles in many, many different sectors. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, the top of the class for architecture professional exams came out of Central University. Right now, 
or was it last year as we speak, the SRC president of the Ghana Law School and one other were Central University Ahlong. We are intent and intentional on bridging body, mind, soul, and spirit. We make sure that as you come through, people understand spirit and they understand the impact of the learning that you have for your future. We are the place to come to in these areas. We thank you very much and we look forward to seeing you. This could only have come from a psychologist and a poet. So that's the pitch from Central University delivered by the Vice Chancellor himself, Professor Bill Buenapopulampo, wrapping up on this conversation. Prof, thanks for making time to join us. Thank you us. too. Thank you too. Thank you too. It's great. And uh, wherever you are joining us across the world, let's have this conversation on Albert and Ukraine on Facebook and also on the Springboard Zone. Just tell us, tell us. Which of these prescriptions, is it a mission creep or is it the human capital policy framework? Which of these thoughts resonates with you? Let's talk and let's have this debate as we wrap up today on the Don's Conclave. So we come your way again next week. My name is Albert Okran, thanking you on behalf of our team here at Springboard and then our partners. MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, our media partners, the multimedia group, and the graphic business. So, till we come away again next week, my name is Albert saying, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you.